Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of Tantra's Mantra where we go behind and beyond the tech news headlines. I am Prakash Sangam, your host and founder of Tantra Analyst. As we all know, 5G has seen unprecedented growth in terms of operator launches, device launches, subscribers and so on. Now everybody is asking what's next. Just to level set, what is commercialized today is 3GPP release 15 version of 5G. This was the first release that supports 5G for sure. Uh, release 16 specifications were finalized by 3GPP in June of last year. Release 17 is expected to be finalized early next year. And the work on release 18 has already started. 3GPP held a highly attended workshop on release 18 in July of this year with lots of uh, contributions coming. So the answer to the question, what's next for 5G is quite a lot. There was also some respite to enthusiastic marketing folks who were ready to jump the gun and start discussing 6G as a next step to 5G. 3GPP approved 5G Advanced as the name for the next phase of 5G. 5G Advanced will start from release 18 and may run for a couple of releases, which is typical in 3GPP. Any discussion of 6G will come after that. Quick shameless plug here. I have an ongoing series of articles on evolution of 5G that you may want to check for more details. I have included a link to the article series in the description of this podcast. Please do check it out. Today, we will take a deeper dive into 5G Advanced, especially some of the new and exciting concepts it is bringing to the table. And to do that, we are delighted to have Dr. Ting Fang Ji, Senior Director at Qualcomm, uh, working on flagship 5G research uh, with us today. Ting Fang, welcome to the show. Thank you, Prakash. Yeah, thank you for coming over. Uh, let's start with some quick introduction. Ting Fang, I see that you are a long-time Qualcommer. Could you please briefly explain your background, what you do at Qualcomm, and most importantly, your work on developing new radio technologies and standardizing them through 3GPP? Yeah, um, yeah, I've been with Qualcomm for uh, more than 18 years. Uh, when I first joined, actually, that was uh, about the time of transition between uh, 3G and uh, 4G. So uh, we started working on some of the uh, OFDM type of um, modulation, OFDMA type of um, uh, medium access. So yeah, that was pretty exciting. And uh, I worked in uh, 3GPP, the standards body for uh, you know LTE and now 5G. And uh, I also led the, the radio group uh, discussion for a few years. And uh, 2014, starting from then, I start to lead the system design for 5G. And uh, now I'm, uh, you know, I have a interesting and uh, a very broad topic um, to study in my project is, um, like you said, what's the next phase of 5G, and uh, you know, even forward looking, what's 6G. So this is um, a super exciting opportunity for myself and for Qualcomm to further develop wireless technology. Very well. Uh, Ting Fang, being a 3GPP member, I know that you worked on some of the most fundamental technologies, some might call building blocks of 5G. And these make 5G very flexible and very forward looking, you know, which is a little bit different than the previous generations. Could you explain uh, some of them? 
Yeah, um, we had a really bold vision when we first started discussing 5G. So, of course, you know, Qualcomm is driving it, but um, we also have many partners, um, the info vendors, OEMs, and uh, operators. We sat together for a few years to talk about what enabling 5G. One of the biggest vision is that uh, you know, 5G should not only be for smartphones. 5G should uh, be natively designed uh, to support other devices. In general, call it the Internet of Things, right? It can be a massive uh, IoT or we call it a critical IoT. So the massive IoT are these uh, large-scale smart sensors, you know, actuators. Um, those type of devices, you can have billions and billions of them or the critical IoT, which uh, require really low latency, high reliability. So those are the type of things we wanted to design for. So uh, as uh, to, to make it happen, we had a few critical technology inside 5G. One is uh, something we call scalable numerology, um, which means that the same design can be scaled up and down very gracefully. So instead of you know, IoT, I, I, for very technical readers, you will know that there's something called carrier irrigation. You can sort of linearly increase the capability of a device. And uh, in 5G, what we can do is exponentially scale the design. So you can cover either uh, an even bigger range of devices. And also, of course, we introduced millimeter wave. Uh, we introduced the uh, LDPC uh, channel code, which is super powerful for high-end devices. And we have a flexible multiplexing structure. So an operator can actually offer all type of services uh, over the same spectrum, you know, you, you know over using the same asset that they have. So those are sort of the uh, biggest building blocks for 5G. Cool. So I, I hear that you have more than 1,000 patents related to all these cellular technologies. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, not my patent per se. Right? <laughs> this is really teamwork. So uh, we have a very talented team and... Uh, uh, these are the inventions that we have uh, on 5G and some of the, you know, big ones that we talk about, like scalable numerology and uh, uh, flexible frame structure coding. So those are yeah, some of the flagship patents that uh, we have. Very proud of it. I think we'll have more opportunity to invent more, uh, given we're at the cutting edge of wireless technology. Very well. So, folks, another important aspect of patents is this uh, conundrum between quality versus quantity, there's a lot of discussion on it. I have a lot of views on it, which I've expressed uh, through my articles as well as podcasts and so on in terms of discussing with other experts and, and other things. I'll include links to those discussions in the description, so please do check them out. Okay, so and, and going back to the uh, you know 3GPP releases and so on, I think release 16, 17, and now 18 are setting up very nicely this next phase of 5G, looking at verticals, not just smartphones and broadband, right? That's that's an exciting area of innovation for the whole industry as such. Now let's quickly jump to 5G Advanced, which, as I mentioned, will start from release 18. I have some specific questions on release 18 as such, but what areas you think are release 18 specifically and 5G Advanced generally will focus on? Um, that's a very good question. Actually, uh, we don't know exactly what will be in uh, release 18 or 5G Advanced yet. In the previous three releases, release 15 laid the foundation of 5G, 
release uh, 16 and 17, we really expanded 5G to the verticals, you know, according to the vision that we had. You know, we introduced, uh, you, know, uh, you know, V2X, which is uh, car to car or car to infrastructure communications, which can also be used for public safety disaster scenarios. And then we also introduced uh, this thing called the UR LLC, which is uh, ultra low latency and um, high reliability uh, communications. So those are for like industrial sensors. We introduced uh, a couple releases on positioning technology. So this is something that I think is super promising. Now you can actually, uh, just like uh, you have GPS or GNSS for location outdoor, with 5G, essentially, you can do this uh, similar accuracy or even better, um, not limited to clear sky, but in urban canyon, um, you know, inside your home, in a factory. So th- those positioning technology, it has also been advanced. So 15, 16, 17, those three releases are really blockbusters. We have tons of feature packed in there. The next release we call 5G Advanced. Uh, this is sort of a reset. We're thinking of can we now introduce something more fundamental to study and potentially to uh, bring uh, some completely new element into 5G? So um, there is uh, artificial intelligence and ML. It has been making a big impact elsewhere. We're thinking whether it can, uh, what we can do in uh, 5G to take advantage of it. And uh, we'll also have uh, you know, XR. Uh, this is uh, AR, VR, this type of new user interface. Uh, how do you deliver this type of uh, service uh, over the next generation of 5G? And they're full duplex and uh, they're, you know, network um, energy saving. There are these, uh, you know, zero power, you know, wake up radios. So uh, we have a few, in some sense, brand new technology uh, we want to introduce uh, in 5G advanced. So that's ambition. I will study it and eventually how much of these have enough uh, traction that uh, that's you know worthwhile to standardize or we'll know after really safety studies very well that kind of nicely set up my next set of questions as you rightly pointed out there are these four areas that you mentioned artificial intelligence xr uh, uh, ar vr uh, full and half duplex operation and network energy savings i leave the xr ar for a later part for two reasons one it is a large area on its own and there's tons of stuff uh, that's already been talked about and, and so on. So we'll discuss that later. But we'll focus on the other three you mentioned, which are very interesting and new, at least in my view, in cellular standards. AI and ML, duplex operations, and energy saving. So let's start with the first one, artificial intelligence and machine learning. It's generally known wireless is a very complex topic. And using AI and ML for solving wireless challenges is a given I'm surprised it took this long for it to be really a focus area, right? So what are some of the AI and ML aspects that you're looking to standardize? Um, yeah, like, like you mentioned, ML has been around for a while and it has a huge impact in terms of uh, computer vision, you know, compression, even audio processing, you know, when you talk to Alexa, um, you know, those are AIML. Yeah. We have already been actually using AIML in wireless comm for a while. Some of the info vendors and operators have been using AML to optimize the network operation. And Qualcomm, we had already had a couple of generation of uh, AI and ML enhanced modems. Uh-huh. So there we have algorithms fine-tuned with the machine learning algorithms. 
actually it's it's really it's, it's really amazing uh, how much they can do in standards we have another question is um, you can use AI and ML to do optimization based on the data that you currently have and you have proprietary implementation. The question is, uh, if I have a AI ML mm -hmm. on the modem and I also have uh, you know, these neural networks on the network side, uh -huh. each of us try to guess what the other side is doing. For a problem that requires end-to-end -end solution, uh, you might be having two uh, AI fighting each other. You might be undoing each other's work, right? Yeah, so, correct. Yeah. Um, what we're trying to do in standards is to see, uh, first we want to evaluate how big an impact AIML has for some of the fundamental areas, you know, physical air, you know, medium access, resource management, mobility. So first of all, we want to evaluate uh, how big is the impact. Yeah. And then we want to see how you can make these nodes work with each other. Can we coordinate between them? Can we actually allow the network to manage the different models, the neural network models uh -huh. on the network and the UE side in an efficient way? And can we manage the data? Because you need training. So you will need you know, reinforced learning, most likely. And uh, you want the dynamic update uh -huh. of these models on the device. You might even want the federative learning you know, to actually reduce the amount of data that need to be shipped into the cloud. So it's a really big topic. And uh, I'll say the biggest one in the ultimate solution would be to actually have the area interface itself uh -huh. instead of explicitly specified. And you actually simply define some of the components as talking to each other as a pair of neural networks and leave the air interface dynamic. Uh -huh. Because we know how fast a neural network advances, right? In weeks and months, you can see neural network have different performance. Uh, is it possible to make the air interface dynamic uh -huh. and uh, we can actually ride on the fast pace of neural network advancement instead of relying on every release, every you know couple of years, you have an update about the technology. Can AIML enable new mode to allow the technology to advance at the pace of a neural network advancement itself. So that's a that's an even bigger topic. We call it the dynamic air interface based on AIML or cross node machine learning. So something that uh, you know we are looking into. It's a super exciting topic. That's fascinating. So you basically just to paraphrase, you'll kind of put some guide bars, if you will, and then let the transmitter and receiver decide how to best utilize the radio link. Using AI and ML, you're saying? Yes, yes. That's uh, you know, in in the uh, in bigger picture, that's what uh, what we're thinking that it potentially could happen. Of course, you still need to solve all the interoperation uh, testing uh, issues, you know. So, but uh, but that's uh, that's in the details. So yeah. So this uh, dynamic air interface across node machine learning is a big concept that uh, you know we're evaluating or studying. That's very interesting. So, you know, when it comes to AI and ML, so far, most of the work has been all proprietary, right? Not just cellular, but even otherwise. Standardizing uh, something of that sort, and especially, you know, companies kind of have differentiation based on their AI ML uh, algorithms. So how does this standardization might work without companies giving their secret sauce away and differentiation away, right? 
That's a great question, right? So that's uh, pretty much in line with what I was thinking. Ultimately, you want the network to actually evolve, uh-huh. right? You don't standardize something. You leave the flexibility for someone to implement their neural network, you know, with differentiation. But at the same time, standards can uh, make sure these models work together. So standardization is more about coordination of these models. And uh, maybe you can have a proprietary implementation, but it can be managed by the operators or you know, device vendors say, Qualcomm, we have a neural network that uh, can work really well in the network. Uh, if the network is in particular mode, then I can update these models uh, based on the network assistance, uh, based on the deployment scenarios, you know, I can still maintain my differentiation. Or even better, say, you know, uh, Ericsson Qualcomm, we have uh, something that's uh, the same network we split cross air interface. Uh, there's something called autoencoder for compression, for example. Uh-huh. Let's take that example for, uh, you know, because it has been used in, uh, in the image video compression, it's very, very well known. So you have encoder and decoder um, on two sides. And, uh, but these autoencoders can be updated. And as long as, uh, you know, we have tested it, we could actually simultaneously update the encoder and decoder and uh, get a better system without uh, any standard change. Standard just make sure that uh, the interoperation uh, of these mo- these nodes, these new networks, are are done in a cooperative way, don't break each other. Yeah, the whole effort is a very tall order, right? So it'll be interesting and fascinating to see how it unfolds. And I think you answered this question a little bit as well. The intelligence, if you will will reside across the network, right? It will be on the cloud, on the network, on the devices as well, and of course, on the edge cloud as well, with edge becoming really prominent in the future. Yeah, that's a a great point. You know, this intelligent edge is something that uh, is in the core Uh of uh, Qualcomm's vision. So because latency is something that, uh, you know, naturally associated with a, a deep cloud-based solution. So pulling the cloud to the edge and implement the machine learning on the edge of the network, it will give you much better performance compared to have everything sitting in the cloud. At the same time, we have also devices that are super intelligent. Our Snapdragons these days, I don't remember how many releases it is already before we had this uh, you know, really powerful um, you know, machine learning chipset inside our, our Snapdragon. So when the network on the edge of the network, the, the neural network and the network, neural network inside the device collaborate, this will bring us the best possible performance, you know, for this uh, mm-hmm. power hungry mm-hmm. neural network that requires data that's sitting already on the device, you should actually implement the uh, neural network on the device itself for some of the other operations that maybe requires more horsepower and require aggregation of information, then you want to implement it um, you know, on the intelligent edge. So working together, you know, this will be the uh, ideal solution from um, overall technology perspective. Uh, very nice. And I'm sure there'll be a lot of talk on how this can be and will be standardized and so on. So in the interest of uh, time, let's move on to the second point uh, we talked about, 
this uh, duplex operation. Could you quickly explain what is half and full duplex operation? Oh yeah, duplex is um, what we call it. Uh, basically, when radio, when you you have a transmitter and you have a receiver in a radio, mm-hmm. and uh, when the transmitter and receiver work simultaneously, it's called full duplex. And uh, when the transmitter and receiver taking turn to operate, it's called half duplex. Typically, in um, cellular spectrum, you manage it. We call, call it pair spectrum or unpaired spectrum. In the pair spectrum, you have a pair of mm-hmm. spectrum where one is for transmitter, one is for receiver. They're far apart. Typically, it can operate simultaneously. You don't have much self-inference. Mm-hmm. And uh, for unpaired spectrum, you have just one chunk of spectrum. And in those places, we call it the TDD, uh, time domain uh, duplex. In that case, it's half duplex. You either transmit or receive the definition of full duplex and half duplex. Correct. So full duplex is basically you are using the same chunk of spectrum for both transmission and reception at the same time, right? Which means, I mean, potentially it can kind of double the capacity of any network instantly without any additional spectrum or additional infrastructure, so to speak, right? You know, uh, almost a holy grail for everything that is wireless, isn't it? That's, uh, yeah, that, that's a holy grail. And uh, there are, I think what you said is the more generic definition, uh-huh. you know, precisely that full duplex is what it is. But uh, there are also other variations of full duplex. Yeah. Like we said, uh, uh-huh. for FTD spectrum, say, you know, you're at uh-huh. one or two gigahertz uh, band, they're also full duplex. They're not using the same spectrum. So full duplex can also include that, uh, you know, you're not necessarily being on the uh, same spectrum. And as long as TX and RX are simultaneously enabled, we also call it full duplex. Uh-huh. E3GPP, the release 18 study, actually, uh, there are majority of people are thinking of a technology called subband full duplex. Correct. Which is, uh, what means is um, you could take uh, one chunk of spectrum uh-huh. and uh, divide them into subbands. Mm-hmm. And the, on some subband you're transmitting, some band, some band that you're receiving, okay. it's uh, almost look like FTD, but you don't have guarding between. Mm-hmm. So you use a radio and digital technology mitigating interference between the transmitter and receiver. I see. So that's also a very powerful technology that uh, you know allow you to uh, basically reduce the latency, uh, increase the coverage. Uh, there are many benefit comes with this uh, full duplex type of uh, technology. So, I mean, key is interference cancellation, right? So uh, for this to really make it work? Uh, yes, um, you know, interference cancellation or in general, you say interference mitigation because cancellation typically refers to receiver side, right? Yeah. So the transmitter side, you can also mitigate interference. There are many really cool techniques that you can use to reduce the uh, you know, interference from the transmitter to the receiver quickly can you explain some of them oh sure um so one of these is uh we call it the spatial duplexer because typically uh Uh duplexer is what you use in the uh uh, in ftd spectrum in those radios you have a duplexer that allow you to do the simultaneous operation it's basically a filter in frequency Uh but uh, if you can do it in in the space there you don't have any guard in frequency to filter them but especially if you can separate them if you have some something called EM blocker, 
Yeah. You can, you know, put in between the transmitter and receiver panel. Uh-huh. Then those type of, um, you know, technique, this is really RF and radio uh-huh. technique can bring down the interference, you know, from what we are testing, like ABDB or so. So that, that's really um, a fundamental technology. So that's just one example of not interference cancellation. Uh-huh. This is actually a pure RF technique that uh, can be used to reduce interference. The, the technique as such has been no, known for some time. So what is making it come right now, not before? Um, before people were looking at uh, the full duplex, full duplex, where you said is TXRX on the same, um, uh, on the same spectrum. Uh-huh. And uh, you are using you know, both RF and uh, digital cancellators to remove the inference. Mm-hmm. But the limitation people observed is that um, it can only be used for small cell setup i see so what you have is uh, you know if you can go to you know one watt transmitter uh-huh. with a couple of antennas that's already really amazing you know that's you're almost reaching the uh, uh reaching the limit because typically people are talking about cancellation of more than 100 db yeah combining both digital and analog you know and the suppression 100 db is uh, yeah um what that means is you have 10 zeros yeah you know, after this digit, you need to cancel out 99.9999999% uh-huh. of the inferiors. Uh, it's really, really hard. Correct. Um, so when the transmitter power gets too, too high, it's simply not feasible. Uh-huh. What, uh, what's, what's new right now, first of all, the big concept of sub-end for duplex that people are latching on right now is that I actually don't need to have them be on the exact same frequency. Uh-huh. If we can put them on adjacent frequency, this already covers many use cases uh-huh. and can improve performance a lot. And just by pulling apart the spectrum, you have 45 dB isolation. Uh-huh. So immediately, just think you have one watt to start with, with a full-blown cancellation. Uh-huh. Now, all of a sudden, you have 45 dB uh, you know, additional isolation I see. because of the uh, you know, sub-end um, approach. Then... Full duplex now can be applied to the macro cells. It's no longer a small cell technology. Uh-huh. Now it actually you can use it in the coverage frequency. You can you know cover you know kilometers of uh, cell distance. Okay. So that that's one big uh, differentiation from the previous full duplex technology. Also, because digital cancellation now we have more capability compared to you know, ten years ago when full duplex was invented. Um, we can even cancel the 64 transmitter, 64 receivers, those type of cancellation. Of course, complexity is high, mm-hmm. but as silicon advances, you know, the process node keep reducing. Correct. We have just more and more horsepower uh, to process it. So, so this is, uh, you know, blowing new life into the full duplex technology. And hopefully we can see commercialization soon. Yeah, I mean, complexity is our friend, right, as engineers. So I think the more complex, the better it is. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yeah, that, that's our tool. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. So, so any any numbers as such? I mean, how much improvement in terms of performance you're expecting with uh, sub-band uh, duplexing? Oh, yeah. We had uh, actually a demo uh-huh. on the full duplex uh, system. Uh-huh. What we were showing in that particular setup was that, uh, you know, we can see the latency being reduced uh, by almost half. Because for half duplex, the transmitter and receiver need to take turn waiting for each other. Correct. 
So with full duplex, you don't have to wait for each other anymore. Yeah. Actually, you could instantaneously, you know, do a transmission and receiving, right? Uh-huh. So there is a big latency reduction. Yeah. Uh, and also we see the coverage enhancement because uh, sometimes the cell phone is power limited. Mm-hmm. So the range, the data you can get, it's really not about the bandwidth, but about um, how much power you can pump into the system. Mm-hmm. So half duplex, you know, essentially reduce the power by a lot. Correct. Typically for TDD system, you will have like uh-huh. three quarters of the time it's uh, uh, it's receiving and one quarter transmitting. That means you lost the rate by a factor of four. Correct. So now with the subband full duplex, you can you know have a four times the uh, coverage. Yeah. So, so those are the big numbers that we're talking about. Of course, the, those are simulations right now. Uh-huh. And uh, we have the hardware ready. Yep. And um, uh, next year, early next year, you'll see a live full duplex system uh, from Qualcomm. We're going to demonstrate it uh, to the whole industry. Cool. That will be really cool to look at. And, and let's move quickly to the third uh, area that we mentioned in terms of uh, network energy savings. Obviously, in energy saving is a big topic because of uh, climate change and so on. And, and we can go on, on and on for hours talking just about that. So at a high level, what are some specific uh, topics and areas that 3GPP is looking at reduce the energy consumption and improve energy savings? Yeah, so actually, um, even at the beginning of 5G, you know, around 2016, when we were actually uh-huh. uh, defining what should uh, 5G be in 3GPP, uh-huh. we already said that uh, uh, energy saving, natural energy saving is uh, one of the big design goals. That's cool. If you look at current 5G system, uh-huh. uh, there are so much reduction in the overhead channels, yeah, uh, it's already much greener compared to LTE. Uh-huh. So it's already a, a really a system that's uh, quite optimized for uh, you know energy saving. I see. So um, what we are thinking release eighteen is some bigger, more fundamental design changes. So I'll say that uh, one of the unique uh, aspect of this uh, energy saving is that base station. When it's active, when it's transmitting, the power amplifier that's pumping up, you know, this uh, very high downlink signal, very high power signal, it's consuming uh, bulk of the power, mm-hmm. you know, from for the whole base station. So what we could do is that, um, you know, we can probably introduce more advanced RF technology. Yeah, of course. Yeah. For those uh, high power transmitters mm-hmm. to actually um you know achieve better spectral efficiency so for the same transmit power i could actually support a much higher data rate if we introduce um, something called um, depop or this is a technology where the transmitter and receiver collaborate with each other and uh, with advanced processing again complexity if we throw complexity at the problem, mm-hmm. actually the transmitter can be allowed uh-huh. to operate at higher efficiency. So the like the power amplifier I talked about, you know, it currently you know forty percent efficiency is already very good, right? And uh, you might have even lower efficiency uh, if you want the really high fidelity of the signal. Otherwise, it will be distorted. 
Okay. So what we're thinking is, uh, can we bring that efficiency, you know, up a whole level? Can, you know, allow it to, you know, the DC right. power and radiate power make it get even closer. So while you're distorting the signal, when you're getting closer and closer to saturation, that's a, it's a, this is getting very technical. Uh, but the receiver, if you have some side information, Correct. maybe I can clean it up. Yeah, and I can still achieve very high efficiency. So for the same data rate. You can either reduce the transmit power, or for the same transmit power, you can significantly increasing the data rate. I see. So, because uh, you know, for the same offer the load, offer the traffic, that means you only need to operate uh, in this mode less time, right? So you can actually shut it down uh, more often. So, so there are some fundamental um, RF technology that uh, we are looking into, and uh, potentially that can bring a big change. Um, Oh, I see. So just to paraphrase, basically, instead of uh, the transmitter working in its linear range where efficiency may not be high, pushing the transmitter to go into a non-linear but higher power output uh, operating point so you can transmit more, uh, but any distortion can be removed with uh, more processing, right, you're saying? Yes, that's what I'm saying. Is uh, with advanced receiver processing, the transmitter can be more power efficient. So instead of say you know thirty five percent, maybe you can achieve fifty five percent. I see. And you can use you know AI to do that distortion correction in a better way as well, right? Uh, that's certainly uh, you know in our toolbox. You know, it's something that we're looking into. Okay. That's interesting. So does that mean uh, the transmitters have to be changed uh, uh, or this can only be on new installations or these techniques can work on the existing uh, transmitters as well? Uh, it can work on existing transmitters as well. Okay, that, that's cool. Yeah, so you basically need to enable the receiver to do the cleanup. Oh, I see. Then you, know, you, you can see instant increase in efficiency without uh, changing overall the hardware and so on. Yes, so that's uh, that's our ambition, and uh, yeah, we'll have some uh, demonstration as well for this uh, technology coming very soon. That's fascinating. I think we can go on talking for hours on all of these things. I, I wanted this to be more of an overview for five G Advanced, and I'm sure uh, I know we'll talk quite a lot as the standardization progresses and things are developed uh, from five G Advanced point of view as well as release eighteen. Any final comments uh, on 5G Advanced before we close the podcast? Uh, sure. I think it's a really, um, you know, 5G Advanced, you can consider it just the second phase of 5G. Uh -huh. You know, you, I, you guys are probably tired of uh, watching all the 5G commercials on TV. <laughs> uh, wait for the next round of commercial on 5G Advanced. You know, this, uh, because there are so many uh, big game changers in 5G Advanced. There are so much, uh, you know, uh, energy uh, in making 5G even better. So uh, not only the engineers should be excited about this, but uh, I think your audience, they, they will also see 5G advance coming, you know, in a couple of years, there will be so many exciting stories to tell. Indeed, a lot of things uh, in the in the future, not so far, in the very near future as well. So, and I would love to have you back on the show to discuss all of those as well. Great. Thank you, Prakash. Excellent. Once again, thank you very much, Ting Fang, for coming over and uh, sharing your views. So, folks, that's all we have for now. Hope you found this discussion informative and useful. 
If you did, please hit that subscribe button down there on whatever platform you are listening this on. Again, I'll be back soon with another interesting uh, topic in another episode, putting light on another interesting subject. Bye-bye for now.